God, that we can put our hope in you, and, and that is a firm foundation to be on. God, I pray that as we open your word now this morning, God, would you, uh, would you soften our hearts, which can be so hardened. Can you open our minds uh, to receive your truth as it is? God, would you work in us that miraculous work, God, which you are uh, so prone to do? Uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Let not my words be heard, but yours, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Would you have a seat? So some of the best things in all of the world cannot be bought. Some of the best things in all of the world cannot be earned. They simply must be inherited. Right? If you think of like a monarchy, you can't just earn the throne. You can't, you can't buy it. The crown jewels are not up for sale. The only way to attain that position is to inherit it. You, you must receive this from someone else. I, as I was thinking through this idea this week, uh, and, and much against my wife's warning, I'm going to use a nerdy reference here. Uh, as a young boy, I remember watching Star Wars for the first time. Right? Anybody with me remember Star Wars? Okay. I'm not talking, like, I'm talking episode four, A New Hope, real Star Wars, okay? Uh, we won't get into that discussion this morning, but uh, I remember it, near the beginning of the movie, Luke is discovering some things about his family. He's discovering some things about his father, right? And Obi-Wan pulls out of this box this inheritance of immeasurable worth, the thing which I as a boy wanted more than anything to inherit such a gift. A lightsaber, right? I remember this in the movie. This thing turns on. This weapon, this incredible weapon that, that you know, lights up. It can cut through anything. It's this amazing uh, thing. And I just remember like, oh, man, you can't just buy a lightsaber. You can't go earn one. Like you have to be born, you know. Uh, it, it, having a, a father is a, a great Jedi. Uh, and, and I just remember uh, like how significant that was uh, and, and just dreamed of that kind of inheritance. Uh, another kind of inheritance that can't be earned or bought is, is a family legacy. Yeah, many of you have received a family, well, in fact, we have all received some sort of family legacy, some good, some bad, some somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, I, people have asked me, I have four daughters, and people have asked me, don't you want to have a son to carry on the family legacy, the family name? Well, my last name's Bradley. It's not that great of a name. So I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> it's fine. There's like a million Bradleys out there and none of any significance there. So anyway, I'm not too worried about the Bradley name, but I do want to leave a legacy to my daughters, right? The, the legacy I received from my father was, was hard work, right? A, a, good work ethic in, a good work ethic, enjoying at the end of the day, having accomplished a, a thing and standing back sitting back and, and looking at it. I remember this. My dad still does this today. He, he goes to work with me every Friday. He's retired now. He goes and helps me out. I love it. At the end of the day, we must do this every single time. We finish whatever we're working on. We stand back. We have to look at it. As a kid, this really irritated me. It's like, Dad, can we just go home already? All right? This is miserable. It's hot and sweaty. You know, whatever we're doing. He's like, nope, nope, son. You got to look at your work and enjoy what we've accomplished today. Right? Now, uh, today, I, I enjoy this uh, part of the day. It's the, it's the best part of the day. You stand back and you enjoy it. That's a legacy that my dad has handed down to me. My wife has received a legacy 
from, from her parents. Uh, namely, I was thinking about the, the compassion and empathy that my wife has. She inherited from her father uh, and, and her mother that, that, that Brittany is so loving, so compassionate, cares so much for others. And that's something that was taught to her. That's a part of her legacy. That's something that she's inherited, right? These are things better than anything that could be bought or earned. These are things that, uh, that, that are simply given to us as an inheritance. Paul here in Ephesians is speaking of inheritance. And, and I think as we read this passage and he uses language of inheritance in regards to our relationship with God, there's a few questions we should ask of ourselves. I think the passage forces a few questions. Number one, what is your inheritance? <clears throat> what is your inheritance? Number two, what have you staked your hope on? This is another way of asking that. What have you staked your hope on? What future awaits you? What, what are the things that you are looking forward to ultimately and finally is your inheritance something earthly or is it something heavenly? Is your inheritance, uh, you know, is it financial? Is it merely financial? Now, obviously, money helps with a great deal of things. Money helps give comfort and security, right? Money can, can give us, uh, you know, any number of things. You know, if you don't have it, uh, it's, it's incredibly hard and, you, and you, you, you want it, you need it, you need to have money. If you have a lot of money, uh, it turns out you, you want it and need it even more, right? Uh, but is that your inheritance? Is that what you're uh, hoping uh, for? Is that what you're placing your hope in? Is, is your future staked on having a solid retirement, getting to the, uh, the, the end of your working years and being able to kick back and relax? Is that your inheritance? Because that's that's not ultimately all that secure, no matter how much we stock up and store up and save up, that is an earthly thing. It's a temporary thing. Even if everything goes to plan, what happens at the end of your retirement? Your money doesn't go with you. It doesn't help you. It doesn't have any effect beyond this life, which is so short and so temporary. Is, is your inheritance something about security? Is your inheritance, uh, you know, put, put, putting your, your hope in a, a secure home life? Is your hope and your uh, inheritance your children? Is it a family legacy you're looking uh, to receive and pass on to the next generation? All of these things can be good. These are, now I'm not saying these are bad things, but I am saying these are earthly things. These are temporary things. These are, these are not eternal things. Nothing that I've mentioned so far is, is a, a legacy that, that goes with you at the end of this life. Or, on the flip side, have you come to terms with the idea that you are not receiving an inheritance at all? I mean, this is, this is maybe what the, the American dream is, is made of. I'm receiving no inheritance, and yet I will work, and I will strive, and I will create my own I may not have received an inheritance, but by God, I'm going to leave one, right? This is sometimes our, our thinking that, that I, I can make it, I can, I can create something, I can earn it, and this is highly regarded, but we still have the same problems. This is not eternal. This is not heavenly. This is not, 
lasting? Or is your inheritance something else? Is it not of this earth at all? Is the inheritance you're looking forward to not something you've earned, not something your parents have earned, but something Jesus has earned for you? Right? The inheritance that Paul is talking about is not of this earth at all. It is of the next life. It is of eternity. It is of heaven. It's the inheritance which Jesus bought at the cost of his own blood. And the question forced on us in this passage, is that our inheritance? Is that my inheritance? Or am I still hoping in things of this earth? What is ultimately and finally the thing I'm staking my hope on? Is it earthly or is it eternal? So I want to talk, uh, and we'll, we'll just cover three points on, on the idea of, of this inheritance. Number one, I want to talk about the nature of this inheritance, okay? The nature of this heavenly, eternal inheritance, the nature of the inheritance which Jesus purchases for us. That's number one, the nature of this inheritance. Number two, the cause of this inheritance. What is the cause? How do we receive it? That's number two. Number three, what is the content of this inheritance? What exactly is it that we are inheriting in Christ? That'll be my, my third and final point. Number one then, the nature of this inheritance. Paul says here at the very end of 14, uh, at the very end of 14, he says this phrase, to the praise of his glory. And in fact, that's the third time in this opening sentence, which remember from verse, thir- from verse 3 through 14 in the original language, that was one sentence. Paul just went on and on and on, had so much to, to pack into this introduction. He had no time for periods or punctuation. Just cram it all in there, right? In this sentence, he says to the praise of his glory three times. And this tells us something of the nature of this inheritance. It tells us of the glory, right? The the glory which God has in in stake for us. The the glory, which which glory, I I heard this definition this week. Uh, Glory is, is something that's weighty. Right, something substantial, something lasting, eternal, something dense. When we say something matters, what is, what is the word matter? It means it's substantial, right? There's something to it. You can get your hands on it. Glory is, is ultimate, eternal, lasting matter. Glory is the things which last. And, and so often the things that we put our hope in are not glorious, they are not weighty, they are not lasting, but they are temporary, they're fleeting, they're momentary. He tells us of this glory, this lasting. Tim, Tim Keller uh, says, says it this way, he, he says that history is either continuous or linear. If history is continuous, if everything is repeating itself, if it's just the circle of life, if this is going on and on, then nothing really matters, right? Nothing I do or say ultimately matters because history is going to keep on spinning like this. If I walk up to you and I say, I love you, or I walk up to you and I slap you across the face, ultimately it doesn't matter. What's the difference? History keeps on keeping on, and what we do is insignificant 
in history. That's one view. The other view of history is that it is linear. The time is progressing and it is building to a climax that history is pointing toward an event, a time in the future where things change, right? That history is not continuously repeating, but history is heading to a point when Jesus comes back, when things are made right, when the wrongs are undone. If history is linear, then my actions and my thoughts, my words today matter because they are contributing to or detracting from the building of the momentum toward this this ultimate day, this time, this final state. And in this final state of existence, which history, I believe, is pointing toward and working toward and headed toward, and I think we can feel that, right? I think that our our culture, I think that, that people, Christians or not, can feel it. We deny it, but we can feel it, that, that momentum is picking up, that, that things are on this earth are falling apart, that, that things are, are getting hard and, and, and divisive and, and all this. As Christians, we, we know why. We know it's coming. We know that history is linear, not continuous, right? And at this point in time, in this final state, there will be some things that last for all eternity, things of glory, and there are some things that will not last, things that will perish, Things that will cease to be. Love is eternal. Love goes on in that perfect and final state. Love exists and hate perishes. Hate will be no more. Are you holding on to hate? That's not an inheritance of glory, of eternality. That is, that is something temporary. That's something that will be destroyed That's something that's perishing. Hold on to love that is eternal. That is of glory. That is of God. Right? Peace will persist and last. In fact, I think there will be a peace that we don't even know or experience or understand right now. Peace will last. Anxiety will perish. Joy is lasting and suffering is temporary. Beauty is eternal, and ugliness is perishing. Things of glory, things of glory are a part of the inheritance we receive in Christ. It's all glorious, it's all lasting, it's all eternal. That is the nature of the inheritance which we have in Christ, if we are indeed in Christ. And I would add to this in regards to the nature of our inheritance that that our inheritance in Christ is not something we add to our earthly inheritance. It's not another stock in the portfolio, right? This is not something else we tack on. The, the inheritance, the nature of this inheritance which God is giving us is such that we forsake all else for it. The inheritance which God has for us is so good, so glorious, so sweet, we forsake all else. It is the one thing. It is the, the thing we grasp onto. Now there's, there's still a role and a place for these temporary things in this life. Right? We want to be financially responsible. We want to set our kids up for success well. We want to pass a family legacy. 
namely a family legacy that loves Jesus. But, but we look to the inheritance, we hold fast to the inheritance, the one and only that is glorious, that is of God, that is eternal. That's the nature of the inheritance. Number two, the cause of the inheritance. Let's, let's discuss the cause of this inheritance. He says here in, in uh, uh, let me find this, verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That starts with hearing, right? Let me say it one more time. When you heard the word of truth, we have to hear the word of truth, the gospel. What does gospel mean? It means good news. We have to hear that news for it to be good, right? That's, That's the first step in the attaining of this inheritance. And and many of us in this room today have been a part of the church for a long time. Some of us have not. Many of us have been a a part of the church for a long time and, and we are quick to dismiss this, right? Yeah, 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 heard the gospel, I've heard it many times. No, pause, reflect, who was Paul writing to here? The Christians in Ephesus, those who were believers in Ephesus, why is he reminding them of that which they heard? Because they need to hear it again, and they need to hear it again and again and again. He's going to continue to repeat himself in every letter he writes. He never assumes the gospel, but he states it clearly. We have to hear this. We have to know this good news, and that starts with hearing. What must we hear? We must hear that God is a perfect God. We must hear that God, the perfect God, created all things, that there is one God. We have to hear that. We have to know that. We have to hear that we are sinful man. Right? This is the part we don't like to hear. Stop reminding me of my sin. No, we have to know this. We have to know that I am sinful. You are sinful. Every single person has sinned in the sight of God. We have failed to pursue God And because of our sin, we are alienated from God. We are separated from God. Here is the perfect God and here is the sinful man. And there is a chasm between us. We have to hear that. We have to hear about the loving Savior. right? We have to hear about the perfect God, the sinful man. And then who bridges that gap? It's Jesus. Jesus, God made flesh. God comes and dwells among us. God comes and lives here with us. Jesus is perfect. He lives the life that we should have lived. He lives without ever sinning against the Father. Jesus lives the perfect life. And then what does he do at the end of his life? He dies this horrific death. He's crucified. He's nailed to a cross. He dies for his sin? No. He is sinless. He dies for my sin, for your sin. The whole act on the cross, remember, is is Jesus paying the penalty for sinners in our place as our substitute. And then he rose from the grave. We have this beautiful restoration, this glorious restoration in Christ that when we place our faith in him, when we trust Jesus, when we make Jesus Lord of our life, now sinful man and and perfect, glorious, sinless God are united in Christ. 
This is the gospel. This is the good news. And never again do we have to fear for our inheritance. Never again do we have to fear for our eternity. But we are united with him. We are one with him. This is how we receive the inheritance. And I have to be crystal clear on this. I've said it a million times. I'll say it a million more. That is not something we earn. We cannot be good enough. God is not calling people to clean themselves up and come to him. If that's your understanding of God, then it, you, you understand a God that is not of the Bible. God is not asking anyone ever through all of history to clean themselves up and come to him. That's not how it works. We could never do it. We could never be clean enough to even come close to the perfection which God requires, the perfection which God is. Right? This is purely an act of faith by the grace of God that we receive this inheritance We put our faith in Jesus. He does all of the work. All of the work. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We have to know that. We have to hear it, right? He says, when you heard the word of truth, we hear it, and we hear what? We hear truth. Truth is an absolute. Truth is not subjective, as our culture suggests. Truth is not something that moves with the winds of culture. Truth is absolute. People say, well, you know, what's your truth? What's my truth? Everybody has their own truth. Whatever seems good, follow your heart. This is terrible advice. Anti-biblical advice, by the way. Don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful above all things. Don't follow your heart. That's a terrible idea. Your heart is what got you in this mess. Don't follow your heart. No, 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 no. That's, that's not good. That's not good. There is truth, absolute truth. For instance, gravity right? Now, I can deny gravity's existence, but when I let go of this water bottle, what happens? It falls. Gravity is a truth. It's undeniable. This is fixed. It's not open to debate. There is absolute truth as to whether or not something falls when it is released. That is called gravity. There's absolute truth as to what inheritance we receive at the end of this life. Is it earthly Is it temporary? Is it fleeting? Is it being destroyed? Or is our inheritance eternal and glorious? There is absolute truth. God declares it. He's the maker of all things. And he says, believe in my son Jesus. And the absolute truth is you will be with him forever in heaven. Right? This is is the absolute truth that we must know. That it is Jesus doing the work, not us. That there there is truth and we must hear it. And then we must believe it, right? There's more than hearing. There's a step beyond hearing. And so maybe some of you in this room, you've heard the truth at least once. I just said it, right? You've heard the truth. Uh, now you have to believe it, right? So we, we hear there's truth. It's absolute truth. We hear it. Then we have to believe it. Believing is, is acting on the hearing, right? It's not just hearing in one ear, out the other, and then out the door, but believing is to take that truth and make it, make it your own, to, to recognize it as truth, to, to hear the good news and say, I want that good news. That's believing. That's believing. It's acting on what we've heard. He says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We are sealed, and, and Tim talked about this 
last week. Uh, and, and, and all of these things, honestly, we've been talking about through this opening sentence in the book of Ephesians. Uh, but, but I just want to remind you that, that we, we are sealed. This is a sign of validity, right? M- many years ago, if a king would make a, a proclamation or send a letter, he would have a, a ring with his seal on it. Okay, this is the language Paul's using. And they would drip some hot wax onto the page, and the, the king would stamp his ring into that wax, and that seals that document. It's like a, 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 you know, it's a signature. It is, it is authorizing or, or, or um, uh, confirming that this is true. These are my words. This is my declaration. No one could forge that seal. It would be incredibly intricate and hard to forge because when the king sends these letters and these proclamations out, he wants people to know that they are receiving real instruction from the king, valid instruction that they would be Uh, that this document would be legitimate, right? And so that's what we're talking about here is that the Holy Spirit puts his seal on us, that we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. This is, we can look at the seal and know that that this is valid, that what's happening in us, that the change that the gospel is enacting is is legitimate and honest and real. That's the seal, uh, which which Tim talked about. this seal comes, comes in a couple of ways. It's, it's progressive and it's palpable, right? It's, it's progressive. Tim Keller, uh, in a sermon I heard of his on, on the same passage, he used the analogy of a clock, right? You go into a room, you see a clock, uh, and, and it, it doesn't look like it's moving. And then you leave the room, you go do some things, you come back, the clock has changed. It's progressive. We can look at the clock and see as an indicator that it has changed over time. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, right, all that. God is working in us. This doesn't come instantaneously. We don't become Christians and then all of a sudden we're perfect, righteous, holy people. No, that comes uh, progressively over time. Now, our salvation is instantaneous. Our position with God is instantaneous, right? Our inheritance is instantaneous, but the seal how we know that this is true, how we know that we have not believed in vain is we can look at our lives over a course of months and years and decades and see that God is progressively sanctifying me. That's the, uh, the, the theological term for the day, right? Progressive sanctification. That God is working out over, <coughs> pardon me, working out over time uh, the, the sanctification, the, the, the purifying, the, uh, the, the, the right living that he is calling us to. That happens over time. And, and it's, so it's progressive and it's palpable. Uh, we, we may feel God's presence, right? We may hear God's word and go, that makes sense to me. This has not made sense to me before, but this makes sense to me now. That is a, a palpable example of the Holy Spirit, right? It's something you can get your hands on, something you can touch and feel right now in the present, it's not progressive and, and slow, but it's something that we might feel in our spirit, right? It's hard to identify uh, and explain, but you, you know it when you feel it. A good friend of mine recently became a Christian, uh, and, and he, he was just telling me this, this story. He woke up late at, late at night, uh, and, and he felt like God was telling him to read his Bible, right? He couldn't really put words to it or explain why that is, but he just said, I feel like I should read my Bible. And he kind of fought it and wrestled with it and, and couldn't get back to sleep, and so finally he got up, he read his Bible, it's exactly what he needed to hear, he laid down, went right back to sleep. That's an evidence, the palpable sealing of the Holy Spirit, right? That's evidence that the Holy Spirit is really doing something in his heart. We have those experiences sometimes. 
Okay, we've, we've talked about the nature of our inheritance. We've talked about the cause of our inheritance. Let me finally get to the content of this inheritance. Uh, th- this inheritance is, is, as I've mentioned, not of earth. It's of heaven. Let, let me read for you from Revelation 22. This is just a, a little sneak peek, a little glimpse that God gives to the Apostle John. He writes it down in Revelation. We can look at this and see just a glimpse of heaven which awaits. Verse 3 in chapter 22, no longer will, will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb, which is Jesus, will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is a glimpse, a tiny imperfect, uh, imperfect glimpse of heaven and what it will be. I think we can't even, we can't even fathom what heaven will be, what it looks like. But th- this is a, a part of the inheritance we're talking about, that, that there is this glorious eternity where God will wipe away every tear from every eye where he will be our source of light, where we no longer need to be afraid of the dark because there is no dark. There's no darkness, there's no sin, there's no decay. Everything is made right. That is a piece of the inheritance, but don't be, don't be mistaken. Heaven is not the entire inheritance. It's just a fraction. It's a fraction of the inheritance which God offers to us in Christ. Number, number, you know, or additionally, I should say, he gives us family. He, he adopts us. Remember earlier in the passage in Ephesians, Paul uses language of adoption, that God adopts us in. As Tim said during our call to worship, we have a father, a heavenly father, a father above who is perfect, not like our earthly father's flawed, but perfect father. That is another piece of the inheritance which we receive. Is, is a father who is perfect, who loves us, a brother in Jesus, a family in, in the body of Christ, which you're sitting in the midst of this morning, right? This is another piece of the inheritance which we receive, the family, the adoption, God as father. We receive forgiveness. What is forgiveness? It's, it's peace with God. Right? We have all sinned against God, as I stated already. But part of the inheritance we receive is peace with God. No longer enmity, no longer enemies, no longer at odds with the creator of the universe. How frustrating it is to be at odds with the one who made everything. How much better it is to be at peace with him. Being able to live according to uh, the way things should be and, and ought to be. This is peace with the Father, peace with God, another piece of our inheritance. But best of all, best of all, the content of our inheritance is God himself. We we think so much about the stuff we get from God as his children. We think so much about the stuff we get. But sometimes we miss the best part of the inheritance is we get God himself the stuff pales in comparison. God, he says, I will be their God and they will be my people. God comes alongside us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. We get relationship with Jesus. 
This is the sweetest part of our inheritance which we receive. It's the glorious uh, inheritance which we receive, that relationship with God that we get. God, that is eternal, that is weighty, that is significant, that, is, that matters, right? It's glorious. It's glorious to the praise of his glory. Jesus becomes ours. So now how, how do we respond? How do we respond? First, we need to ask ourselves the question, and I would encourage every single person in this room to ask themselves this question, no matter how long you've been here, no matter how long you've been coming to church, no matter where you think you're at, ask yourself this question, have I received this inheritance? Church attendance does not earn you the inheritance. Belief in Christ alone is the pathway to the inheritance, right? Only by placing our faith in Jesus do we receive the inheritance. Only by making him king do we receive the inheritance. Have you received this inheritance? If not, what are you waiting for? Receive it. Receive him. Number two, how do we respond? We live as heirs. Right? We live as heirs of this inheritance, knowing what is to be ours, knowing the, the, the sliver or the taste that we've already received in the Spirit. We hold on to that which is eternal. We hold on to that which is of our inheritance, and we release those things which are temporary. We release those things that are, that are merely earthly. Right? If you're put in a position... Where, where you have to lie to keep your job. If I lie or I omit this truth, I get to keep my job. What do we do? Well, as Christians, we know the inheritance we have. So if I lose this job and I lose the income, let's even say I can't make the mortgage and I lose the house. Let's just play worst case scenario and go all the way down the line, right? Well, is the house, is the job, is the financial security my inheritance? Or is God my inheritance? That's an easy decision to make for a Christian, isn't it? Do I lie to keep my job? Absolutely not. Lying is not eternal. The truth is eternal. The truth is eternal. That's of my inheritance. The, the lie and everything that comes with it is temporary. It's earthly. That's all it is. Do I hold a grudge? Do I hang on to this hate that's in my heart? For somebody that has wronged me? Or do I extend forgiveness? Forgiveness is costly, right? Forgiveness, to forgive someone who's truly hurt you, truly harmed you, truly inflicted pain on you, it's costly to forgive. Look at what it cost Jesus to forgive us. It cost him his life. Forgiveness is costly. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But do I hold on to a grudge? Do I hold this hatred? Or do I let go of that and embrace costly forgiveness? Well, that, that grudge, that hatred, this is not a lasting thing. This is not an eternal thing. This is not a glorious thing. This has nothing to do with the inheritance we receive as Christians. Right? But forgiveness, that's eternal. Peace, that's, that's eternal. Do we save up money or do we invest in the gospel? Right? Do, do we hoard everything? Do we, do we make sure that every single penny and dime we earn 
is put away, stocked away, saved up so that my, my future is secure? Do we, do we hoard and save and scrimp on everything, storing up for retirement or, or for you know, whatever that, that might be? Or do we invest in the gospel? Giving to the church costs, right? Giving to the church hurts sometimes. Why, why do we do that? Because this money, this is temporary. This has nothing to do with our inheritance. The money we earn has nothing to do with our eternal, glorious inheritance that we have in Christ. But you know what? If I can give some money to the church, and, and I'm not paid by the church. I'm a volunteer up here, right? So I, I get to say this stuff, right? Like, I give some money to the church, right? And the church gets to go out and, and do something that causes people to know and love Jesus. What's that worth? Now, that's of the eternal inheritance, right? When we give to the church, when we give to ministries, when we give to the work that, that God is doing through his people, we get to invest in eternal things. We're trading the temporary for the eternal. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? I love it. I love that. that and, and it's so easy, right? Like you don't even have to get out of your, uh, get, go out of your house to participate in kingdom work and eternal work for this. We just go online and give. It's amazing. Like how easy it is to do eternal work. This is so cool, right? It's an easy decision for Christians. Easy decision. Do we dwell on suffering or do we hold fast to the joy? Do we dwell on the suffering? No, suffering is not eternal. Suffering is not lasting. Joy is. We, we can look, uh, as it says in Romans, suffering which produces endurance, which produces character, that character produces hope. Hope is eternal. Hope is of our inheritance, right? So what is suffering doing? Well, it's producing ultimately character and hope in our lives. James says it another way. He says, when you face a trial, consider it joy. What? Joy? To, to face a trial, James, you've lost your mind. Remember, this is, in the, this is in the first century when Christians are being killed for their faith. Consider it joy when you face trials. Why? Because it's, it's producing steadfastness, making you perfect and complete. The, the, the hardship, the trials, the suffering we endure, it's only for a little while. That's not of our inheritance, but the steadfastness the hope, the, the character that is being produced from that suffering, that is eternal. That's of our inheritance. That's something that will last for all eternity. That's glorious. And so we can say with James, yes, uh, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. James is looking at his inheritance and he's seeing the, the, the eternal, glorious inheritance he has in Christ and he's saying, this, these trials, this is nothing. In fact, it's, it's, it's creating steadfastness. It's making me more firm in my faith. It's making me hope and, and understand what it is I have in Christ. So bring it on. Give me some trials. Give me some suffering because it produces in me steadfastness and hope and character, which is eternal. Let me pray. Father God, we love you so much God, I thank you for this inheritance. God, I thank you for, for the, 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 the glory that you are all about. God, I thank you for your glory, your weightiness, your eternality. God, I thank you that you uh, call us into that. God, you don't leave us here uh, flapping in the wind on our own, God, but you, you anchor us 
to your glory. You anchor us in the things that are eternal. And God, all we have to do is believe. All we have to do is to place our faith in you, God. You do all of the work. You do all of the work in and around us. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that as we go to a time of worship now, uh, Lord, would we worship the eternal God. Let go of the temporary. Let go of the fleeting. And God, would we worship the eternal God. In Jesus' name, amen.